You're listening to a live service from Faith Worship Center, Porsche, Arkansas. Genesis chapter number 50. Read with me verses 14 through 21. The Bible says, And Joseph returned into Egypt, he and his brothers, and all who went up with him to bury his father, after he had buried his father. And when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, Joseph will pre-adventure, hate us, and will certainly requit us all the evil which we did unto him. And they sent a messenger unto Joseph, saying, Your father did command before he died, saying, So shall you say unto Joseph, Forgive, I pray you now, the trespass of your brothers and their sin. For they did unto you evil, and now we pray you forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke unto him. And his brothers also went, and they fell down before his face, and they said, Behold, we be your servants. And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for am I in the place of God? And verse number 20, But as for you, you thought evil against me. But God meant it unto good, to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. Now, therefore, do not fear. I will nourish you and, I, and your little ones. And, be, and, be, and he comforted them and spoke kindly unto them. You back up to verse 20. But as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good. To bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. The song we sing and a saying that we use a lot. What the devil meant for evil, God will make it good. This morning I want to minister that thought to you. What the devil meant for evil, God is going to make it good. Will you bow your head and will you help me pray today? Father, I love you today. Again, we're thankful for the honor to be here with every individual. God, every family that is represented here today. We're thankful for the opportunity, Lord, to be able to come together and congregate and worship. And Lord, we just pray, God, that while we're here, that you would open our ears to properly hear, our hearts to receive your word. And Lord, I'm asking that you would anoint me to deliver your already anointed word. I know that if I put the word forth, it cannot return void. So I pray today, God, that you would do a work that I cannot do. And we ask it in the name of Jesus Christ. And everybody says, Amen. Before we begin to review the fairly, this very common story of the life of Joseph in the text today in, re, in regards to his life and everything that he went through, you have to turn me down just a little bit, please. I want to set the foundation for this thought by just being very plain and very real. Is it all right if we just be plain and real this morning? I'm going to be very plain, and I'm going to be very real, and, and I believe that that is important. I feel one of the attributes, the great attributes that has been lost among churches and among preachers and among laymen today by believers is the willingness just to lay it out there and to be real with people. Or too often, the church and pastors and preachers have acted like, well, we've got it all together, and y'all's the ones that's got problems. And when we do that, we can't relate to the people because the fact of the matter is is we lose the effectiveness of the message because every single one of us has got troubles and every single one of us has got problems. Nobody walked in here perfect this morning. Nobody walked in here perfect. Until the day we take our last breath, we will have things in our life that needs to be changed and we will be subject to the things of this world that comes to try us And to continue to tempt us. Every person in this building. And every person that is watching live today. And I'm going to be a little bit different. But I feel strongly the Lord has put this in my spirit. Every person that is listening. That would ever listen. In the events of their life. And the history of their life. We could write a timeline full of events. And full of situations. That has molded us into who we are today. There's been different situations and there's been different trials and different things that has happened in our life that has brought us to where we are sitting in Faith Worship Center in Portia, Arkansas today. 
I think it's fair to say, and I mean this, and I'm going to speak for me that all in all, now don't throw rocks at me at the beginning, wait till I'm done, and that way I've got a fair chance to fight back, but I'm just going to be plain. All in all, I believe the majority of everybody in here could say that life is good. That life is good. I enjoy life. I enjoy life because life is good. And Jesus makes this life a blessing. The Lord makes this life a blessing. I should have got one amen out of that. I could say every day is a good day. And I mean that with all of my heart. But I also could say that there are some days that's a whole lot better than other days. But still yet, every day is a good day. In the mix of good things, in the mix of situations that are good and that are well, there is also the past history of our lives. The history of our lives. I don't care how old you are or how young you are this morning. We all have a history in our lives. Everybody in here has got a past. And if we could just go back, as they say, hindsight is twenty twenty. how many things in our past would we redo or would we change all over? But in the mix of all these good things, there's also a mixture of regrets in the past history of our lives. And I want to tell you this this morning. I hope that you'll be plain with me also. I hope you'll be real with me. There's been times, I don't care how strong of a man you are, I don't care how strong of a woman you are, there have been times in the past history of our lives when we have been 100% completely broken. At the bottom of our own life's pit, everybody says that you got, everybody's got a rock bottom. And I feel the majority of us knows where that rock bottom is at. In the past history of our lives, We've been hurt. We know what it's like to be alone. We know what it's like to just bum out and to blow life altogether. We know what it's like to mess up to the uttermost. We know what it is like to be confused. We know what it is like, and I'm going to use this as a type, as Job sat in ashes and began to scrape the bulls off of his, of his own flesh, we know what it's like to be at a place where we are just not enjoying life anymore. When life is not fun, and if we had our say in it, we would just go on and be with Jesus. We have faced great trouble. We have faced great heartache. I know today that the majority of the church saying, well, you don't need to be talking like that. You're talking doom and gloom. Well, that's the problem. Because our life is full of these kinds of situations. And if we're going to relate to you in the text, then we've got to be real with people. I know what it's like to sit face first in the carpet and cry every day for six, eight months going on a year and don't know what to do in life. I know what it's like to be depressed at the point that you want to quit and you want to give up. I know what it's like when you don't want to come up here and stand behind the pulpit and give somebody a, a message of hope because you feel like your life is without hope. I know what it's like to pray and seek out and cry into the face of God and you feel like your prayers are going no further than the ceiling right here. I don't think I'm alone this morning. We face great trouble. A lot of trouble we brought on ourselves. Everybody had a great opportunity to amen that. A lot of trouble we brought on ourselves because of our own ignorance, our own mistakes. We forget. I know these moments are countless, especially before you came to Jesus Christ. I hope that after you came to Christ that they begin to fall off some. But even serving Jesus, there are days when the enemy comes in when darkness is so thick when we want to give up and we want to quit. But now I want you to think about something else. Is this okay? Y'all feel quiet this morning. What about when these moments happen when all we're doing is we're serving Jesus and we're loving God? What about when all we're doing is trying to be in the will of God? And we're trying to use the gifts and calling that God has blessed us with. All we're doing is trying to be faithful to the Lord. 
Why am I having financial trouble when I'm just trying to give to the work of God? Why am I have no joy and I'm going and they're singing, oh, there's joy, joy, joy down in my soul. What about the moments when we're serving Jesus? We forget as a believer that we will face great trial and great tribulation. But the difference after we come to Christ is that the Lord allows it and that will guide us through it. And let me be really plain for just a moment. I know you think I'm being plain right now, but let me be really plain for just a moment. What about the moments in life that has been truly unfair to us individually? What about the situations that was out of our hands that I had nothing to do with and they happened anyway and they afflicted my life? What about something that was completely out of my control as a child? What about something I dealt with as a child that was completely out of my hands and something that was completely out of my control? Can I just be blunt and say this this morning? What about the things that I really, to this day, can find no reason why that I deserve to go through what I went through? What about the times when I felt like I didn't deserve it? What about the times when all I'm doing is serving God and my world starts to fall apart? What about the moments? Come on, you're getting quiet. Stay with me for just a moment. I got a good point in just a little bit, I promise. I ain't just bringing you down to bring you up. I'm trying to be plain. All I'm doing is serving God and my marriage is falling apart. All I'm doing is serving Jesus. Been in the prayer line every Sunday morning praying for people to be healed because I don't just come, look, I don't step off this platform just because I'm pastor, and I don't step off the platform just because I, I, I'm uh, out of routine. I step off the platform because I honestly believe that the same Jesus that opened blinded eyes and unstopped deaf ears can still heal every manner of sickness and every manner of disease. What about when my faith is there and I go to the doctor and I get a bad doctor's report that knocks me off my feet. What about when all I'm doing is serving God? Bringing my, listen men, bringing my family to serve the Lord. Getting my kids in the youth program. Setting the example by praying uh, and, and, and worshiping before them. Setting the example by reading my Bible. Setting the example by praying with my family every single night. Setting the example by making sure that my family is faithful to the house of the Lord. And my children are rebelling and don't want to serve God. What about those times? What about the times when I've never been more faithful and never been more miserable at the same time? Can I just be blunt this morning? I hope you're okay with it because I've already been pretty blunt. Everybody sitting next to you looks really nice this morning. We put on our church clothes. We got ready and we come to the house of the Lord. I dare to say nobody greeted you with a frown. I dare to say you nobody greeted you angry or upset this morning. I would dare to say that everybody greeted you with a smile. God bless you. Good to see you this morning. I sat in my office this morning. I could hear Brother Matt. People come in. Hello, sir. Nobody says, hello, sir, like Brother Matt does. And he means it. Got a big smile on his face. You're not going to be around him very long and frown. Just a jolly guy. But do you know that everybody sitting next to you this morning, back in the history of their life, in the times of their life when they were all alone, that we have moments. And you may be in a moment right now when you've never been so faithful and never been so miserable at the same time. What about when we're ready to throw in the towel because the fight of faith has become too much? When we quit believing that God will not put more on us than what we could bear. Anybody been there but me? I come to tell you this morning that God has taken the history of our lives, and I'm going to prove it to you in Scripture, to those that are walking in the Spirit. And God has used destructing moments as detours, 
to bring us where we are now, to bring us where we are setting today. We're all at a place, in one place, where we are listening, where we are hungry, when we are yearning after the message of grace and faith, the message of the cross. And the Lord has brought us here to a place where we could be fed the truth so that we can in return, I'm going to show you, and Joseph, be one that could offer somebody a true source of hope. I've heard people pray one more before, God, I'm ready to spend or be spent for the cause of the gospel. Can I just tell you this morning, I hope that's your heart, but you need to be careful before you pray, God, let me be spent at the cause of the gospel. You need to be cautious. I look out today, I know this is different, but it's in my spirit. I look out today, the majority of you, I know the majority of you I have gotten to know. And many of you would not be here today. Some of you would be. But many of you would not be here today if it was not for the message of Christ and Him crucified. Many of you would not be here today if it was not for the truth of grace and faith that has pricked your heart, that gave you a desire to come to the house of God and be fed. There's people in here today been in and out, in and out, and in and out, and came and heard the message of grace and faith, and you're in, and you will never be out again because that truth has begun to bear witness in your heart and in your spirit. I look out today. I can count, and I can begin to pull up. There are those today that's been through drug abuse. There are those that's been through alcohol abuse. There are those that have been that are former alcoholics, former drug addicts. There are those today that has been through physical abuse. There are those today that has been through child abuse that are here this morning. There are those that have been hurt by churches. There are those that have been hurt by pastors. There are those that have been hurt by laymen. There are those that have found their own excuse just to walk away from the Lord. There are those today that has been through adultery. There are those today that has been through fornication. There are those that have been gossiped on and lied upon and told falsely upon. There are those today that has been through divorce. There there are those today that has been through your family and your marriage and your children being ripped apart. But I want you to know everything that you've been through has been a detour and a stopping place for God, the Holy Spirit, to redirect your life and to bring you here for such a time as what this is. And I want to tell you this morning, you're still here. You're still here. You're still here. You're not dead. You're not defeated. You're not gone. You're still holding the towel. You've not quit. And by the grace of God, you will continue for the work of the Lord. I want to tell you this morning that what the devil meant for evil in the past of your life, God meant it for good, which meant that God took his evil and he made those evil intentions good intentions and brought you around to where you are right now. I want to tell you this morning uh, that you're here and I'm here by the grace of God and by the grace of God alone. Uh, by the grace of God we stand. By the grace of God we walk each and every day. By faith I begin. By faith I walk. By faith I will finish. And the grace of God, yes, it will be sufficient. And yes, His strength will be made perfect in our time of weakness. I want to refresh just for a moment the life of Joseph in our minds today. You know, the Bible says there's no temptation, but what that is, is common unto man that has overtaken you, which means this, that you're not going through something that somebody else hadn't went through. You're not going through something that somebody else hadn't went through. Don't think the Lord is picking on you. God is not picking on you. But I want to refresh the life of Joseph in our minds today for just a moment. And I want you to begin to recall some things First of all, Joseph is one of the greatest types of Christ in the text that we find. We can't really find where Joseph failed. We know that he was a man. We know that he wasn't perfect. But we really can't find where Joseph failed, where he just blew it, where he messed up. He wasn't like Peter that denied Christ. He wasn't like David that had the adultery. He wasn't like Samson that lied. He done, he done none of these things. He didn't lie in a drunk in his tent as Noah did. 
We really can't find anything in regards to that that we can pick on in the life of Joseph. He was a man that loved God from a young age, and all he wanted to do was to please God. He just had a great desire to please God, and because of that, the Lord allowed him to suffer for his name's sake. But in the end, oh, it was all worth it in the end. I want to say this, the moments in every trial, the moment, there are moments in every trial that will never be greater than the end result. Every man or woman of God that has found their place in the will of God will look back and say, oh, it was worth it after all. How many times have I sat with somebody across from my desk and they, as they begin to talk to me, after they come through a great trial, God had restored their marriage or God had restored their family. And after they come through it, and they, say, they would say, I wouldn't wish it on nobody. And I hope I don't have to go through it again. But I do know this, I wouldn't trade the things that I learned about God when I was going through the fire for anything in the world because I learned, I've heard it all my life that God is faithful. But I learned firsthand that He was faithful. When I was down, He picked me up. When I fell, He picked me back up. When I was in the mud, He brushed me off. When I was sad, He stalked to me and He spoke to me. When I fell all alone, He sat down beside me and He never left you alone. He was faithful to you then. And he'll be faithful to you from this day forward. Every man or woman that finds their place in the will of God will look back at every trial and say it was worth it after all. Joseph was born the son of Jacob. He was the great grandson of our father Abraham, the father in the faith. And very early Jacob noticed the hand of God upon his life. The Bible tells us, and I'm going to rush through this because there's several chapters from chapter number 36 on, we find the life of Joseph. The Bible says that Jacob made him a coat of many colors. And that coat of many colors represented the giving of a birthright to Jacob, the birthright or to Joseph. The birthright was to go to the eldest, but jo Jacob noticed the touch of God upon his heart and upon his life. And the Lord instructed him to pass the birthright down to his son Joseph. And he made him a coat of many colors and gave it to him. And from that moment, his brothers began to hate him. From that moment, his brothers began to hate him. I want to tell you this morning, the world will not like the touch of God upon your life. Your friends that you used to hang out with will not like when you give your heart to Jesus. The world hates the work of the Lord in anybody's life. He was hated from the early on. His brothers were very jealous because the hand of God upon his life. The Lord began to use him in dreams. One day he had a dream and he wanted, he was zealous about the gift that the Lord had him. And so he began to tell his brothers about it. He said, I dreamed that there were 11 sheaves of corn and 10 of those rose up and they bowed down to my sheep, and those that bowed down was a type of y'all. And his brothers thought, you think we're going to bow down to you? We're going to bow down to you? Look, I got two brothers. And if mom and dad would have been gone, and we were, we roughhoused. We wrestled. We enjoyed wrestling. And if to, to any one of my two brothers said, look, I come in here today, you're going to bow down to me. Oh, we would have broke something. We would have broke something. Because if I bowed down, it's going to be because you physically made me. And all of a sudden, he says, yeah. Later on, he had another dream. He said, hey, I had another dream. He told his dad, Jacob was there. He said, I dreamed that the sun, the moon, the stars all bowed down to me. Jacob scolded him, rebuked him at first, but the Bible says he pondered these things because he began to come on to the Lord using him. But his brothers got really angry and they began to hurt, they began to hate him. He was sent to Dothan to check on his brothers after these dreams. When he got to Dothan there, they seen him coming and they said, Here comes the dreamer. Here comes the old dreamer. He probably thinks we're going to bow down to him today. And he got to Dalton and they were so angry and they were so upset and they hated him, hated, built up in their hearts so much. They said, hey, let's kill him. We're 50-something miles from our father Jacob. 
Let's kill him. We'll tell him something bad happened to it. Reuben, the oldest one, said that's too much. Let's throw him in the pit. They threw him in a pit. While he was in the pit, there was a group of Midianites that came by. They said, hey, we just want to make some money off of him. We don't like him anyway. Let's get him out of the pit. Let's sell him to the Midianites. They sold him to the Midianites. They took his coat of many colors. They ripped it up. Killed a baby lamb. Spilled blood all over it. After they spilled blood all over it, they were too big of cowards. Listen to what I'm saying. They were too much of a coward to take that coat of many colors back to their father themselves. You know why? Because the Holy Spirit was already starting to shame them and convict them about it. Instead, they sent a servant, take this to our father and tell him, we think Joseph may be dead. And so he took it and said, we don't know if it's, we don't know if this is Joseph's or not. Well, of course they knew it was Joseph's. He had the coat of many colors. And his father began to weep. His brothers came back in and said, we found this coat. They lied to their father. The Midianites took Joseph on. They got to Egypt. And when they got to Egypt, they sold him there into slavery. I apologize for rushing, but I, I can't spend a lot of time on these chapters. But when they got to Egypt, they sold him into slavery. Potiphar's wife, or Potiphar, bought him and said, I want you to be over my house. You do such a great job. And Joseph found favor in the eyes of the Lord there. And he began to be Potiphar, the one, the commander-in-chief under Pharaoh. He began to be his servant over his house. The Bible says Joseph was a good to look upon. And if you go back and look good to look upon and fair upon, Joseph was a great-looking man. And Potiphar's wife looked at Joseph, and she began to lust after Joseph. And she would say, lie with me. She, he said, no, ma'am, I will not lie with you. My master has trusted me with everything in his house. How dare I take the one thing that he keeps to himself? Another time, she comes in, lie with me. He says, no. Let me tell you something this morning. I don't mean to be rude and crude, but i got to bring this out. But for a man... To have an opportunity. Potiphar's wife was probably one of the better looking women in the whole entire Egypt because he got whoever he wanted. And for Joseph to refuse this woman that wanted to lie with him, you got to understand that he was close to the Lord and he had a touch of God upon his, upon his life. Is that okay this morning? The third time she would come in and he said no, she grabbed his coat. She cried out. The servants, the, the guards came in and said, Look, Joseph had tried to come upon me. Lied upon him. Went to Potiphar. What have you done? I didn't do it. She's got your coat. Throw him in the prison. Here we learn Joseph went from the palace to the prison. He went from as high as what you could be to as low as what you can be. Anybody in here this morning ever been at a place spiritually that one day that you couldn't, you felt like you couldn't be any more love with God, and all of a sudden you get a phone call that night, and the next day it's went from daylight to dark. He went from the palace to the prison. He went from the highest of highs, lowest of lows. An elder pastor told me one time, he said, I want to tell you, son, and don't let it scare you, but when you start to pastor a church, you're about to experience the highest of highs and the lowest of lows that you will ever experience in your life. And he could not have been more right because the people that you, I'm not playing a pity game this morning, but the people that you pour your heart out to them the most, spend the most time with, Sister Janie, I'm telling it right, spend the most time with, love the most, try to help the most, they will be the first one to use you as a doormat. He went from the palace down to the prison. Got to the palace down to the prison. When he got in prison, there was a butler in there and a baker. The butler and the baker said, we've been having dreams. Now, I'm putting this, I'm paraphrasing my own words. Can you tell us about these dreams? Joseph said, tell me your dream. He started telling the dream. The butler said, told him his dream. The baker told him his dream. After they got done, what's this mean? Joseph said to the butler, in three days, you're going to be restored back to your place as a butler. And the butler rejoiced. The baker 
Can you tell me the interpretation of my dream? He said, yes. In three days, they're going to lift your head off you, and you're going to be hanged. Gave them the exact interpretation, and both of them came to pass. I keep thinking, he must have been a horrible cook for them to hang him. But the interpretation came right. The Joseph said this to the butler, I got a favor, butler. Sure, anything. I'm in the prison with you. When they restore you back, will you remember me? Will you remember me? You see, I got to bring this out because I don't want you to forget it and I don't want you out of your mind. You know why Joseph went to the pit? Because the touch of God was on his life. You know why his brothers hated him? Because there was an anointing upon his life. Do you know why he got sold into slavery? Because there was an anointing and the Lord was upon his life. Do you know why that he went to prison? Because there was a touch of God upon his life. All he's doing is trying to serve God. He wasn't being rebellious. He wasn't raising his fist at God. He's just trying to look to the Lord and saying, God, what's going on now? Do you know why that when he got in the prison, the butler left no regard and didn't remember him? Because of the touch of God that was upon his life. Two years go by. Pharaoh has a dream. Pharaoh said, call my magicians. Call them in. I call all of them. He told them to everyone, and they said, well, he ain't got a clue. We don't know. And the butler, now, watch this. Now it would benefit the butler. Oh, yeah. The light came on. The butler says, Pharaoh, just trying to find Pharaoh with, trying to find favor with Pharaoh. See, a lot of times we keep things unless we can find favor with men. When what we should be doing is just trying to please the Lord. He said, hey, Pharaoh, there's a man down in prison. Oh, he called it down to the T. He interpreted the baker's dream. He interpreted my dream. My dream was I'd be restored. Baker's dream, he'd be hanged. The baker's dead and buried. I've been restored. He might can help you. He's a Hebrew boy. He's a Hebrew boy. And he serves the God of the Hebrews. Pharaoh says, get him. He told him his dream. Do you know the interpretation of the dream? Joseph said, yes, sir, Pharaoh. There's coming seven years of plenty in your land. There will be seven years when your ground and your crops will produce like they never produced before. There's going to be great uh, supply over all of the land of Egypt, over all of the land of Goshen. But he said there's seven years coming after that, Pharaoh. When there's going to be a famine, there will be no ground that will produce anything within the seven years, not just here, but throughout the entirety of the land, even where the Hebrews dwelt. Pharaoh said, what should we do? You better store up and get ready for the famine. Do you know what the time of blessing, the time of feast, the time of rejoicing, the time in your life when everything is going right, do you know what that's for? That is to get you ready. That is to get you ready for the famine. Oh, I, I, that will preach. That's not my message this morning, but, but that will preach. Two years later, and he finds himself restored. Pharaoh told Joseph, said, come here. Took a ring off his finger. Placed a ring on the finger of Joseph. And the reason that he done that was, it was a symbol of, this is not just words, Joseph. I'm not just telling you a story, but giving you my ring and let it be done. Let it be a seal, a symbol that you will be restored back to my house. He went from there. He married. He had two children. He was fruitful. He continued the, the prophet, the, the, the dream came true. And the Joseph would say this after he had two children. He had Manasseh and he said, the Lord has made me fruitful in my time of affliction. Even in the time of affliction, Joseph recognized the hand of God upon his life. And he said, I've been fruitful in my time of affliction. And now we get to where I need to be. Because there's great value in the trial. The trying of our faith will work patience and the experience will far outweigh the things and anything this world can offer. There was seven years of plenty. There were seven years of famine. 
Joseph was the governor. And he stood at the gate. He's the one that held the key. And he's the one that said, whether you starved or whether you eat. And Pharaoh said, I trust you, Joseph. You make a wise judgment. And one day, Jacob tells his boys, you got to go to Egypt. There's corn in Egypt. Take this money and buy corn or we're going to starve to death. And Reuben and Simeon and Judah and all of the brothers, everyone except Benjamin, made their way. And when they got to the gate, Joseph recognized his brothers. But he didn't reveal himself to them. Is this okay? I, I, I feel like that. I've lost you, but stay with me just for a few more minutes. Jacob, sons went to buy corn. And Joseph didn't reveal himself to him. In fact, he said, I think you're spies. We're not spies. Yeah, you're a spy. No, we're not a spy. Yeah, I think you're a spy. And I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to let you go back. They told him of their little brother, Benjamin. I'm going to let you go back and get Benjamin. I want to see Benjamin. How's your father? Oh, our father is well. I want to see Benjamin. And then I will know that you're not a spy if you will bring Benjamin unto me. And i tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to keep a little insurance. I'm going to keep Simeon. And Simeon's going to be my slave until you get back with Benjamin. Because I want to see Benjamin. He never met Benjamin. He never seen Benjamin. He didn't know nothing about Benjamin. Years had went by. So Joseph, he didn't want their money, puts their money back in their bag. Takes and fills their bags with all the corn they can carry. They go back. They tell their father. They kept Joseph, or the, the, the gatekeeper kept Simeon. And the only way we can get him back is that he sees Benjamin. Jacob says, no way. I've already lost one son. He said, he got to see Benjamin. We're not going to bring Simeon back. So he agrees to it, and they bring back Benjamin. When Joseph got back, when Joseph seen Benjamin, he turned and he wept. He cried. And he reveals himself to his brothers and gives them back Simeon. And after he revealed himself to them, he puts them through the same test as what he had went through. It's likened unto him. And he said this, I know this ain't shouting me down, but it's in my spirit. He says this, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to let you go back to your fathers. But I'm going to keep Benjamin this time. And if you don't bring your father back, then Benjamin will be my slave. And Judah steps up. <laughs> and he says, you can't keep Benjamin. No, sir, you can't keep him. He says, yeah, I will keep Benjamin. He will stay right here. And if you don't come back, he'll be my slave and for the rest of his life. And Judah said, take me. But don't take Benjamin. My father is laying right now, his gray hairs. He's laming, he's laming it over his son that he's lost. He's broken. He's not the same man that what he used to be. He's not. Something changed. Something let out of him after he lost his son Joseph. He said, take me. I want to tell you this morning, i got to stop right here and say this. Do you know that Jesus Christ came out of the tribe of Judah? This very tribe that I'm talking about, Jesus came out of. Do you know that you owed a sin debt one day and the devil had every right to keep you and to hold you and for you to be a slave and a servant unto him and you would spend your life serving him and ultimately in eternity you would pay through the penalty of death and you would spend eternity with him. But there was one that came out of the tribe of Judah and his name is Jesus Christ and one day Jesus stepped up and he said you can't have him but you can have me but don't take him. Can I just make it personal. Don't take Jeff. Don't take Tristan. Don't take Greg. Don't take Sister Becky. But you can have me. I want you to know when all, all rights, when the devil had a right to hold you, Jesus stepped up and said, no, you can take me, but you can't have them. I got to tell you this. I'm going to make a little detour. I promise I'll jump right back on track. But there's a lot of people in our life 
There's a lot of people in our life. Now, some's going to, I may get a message later, whatever it is. I welcome that, whatever you want to do. If you don't understand what I'm saying or you don't agree with it, I'll be more than happy to sit down with you and talk to you. But I believe the Word of God when it says, give unto those that have need. But here's the fact of it. You need to give them what they need. And to somebody that just comes out with their hand out all the time, I need money, I need money, I need money, and they're continuing to get in the same mess as what they're in, they don't need a money. They need a phone number to the place down the road that's giving out jobs. Is that okay? They need a job. Now listen, there are people that have used and abused and took advantage, even some of our family. Joseph gave us a great example here. Joseph says, it's all right to make them prove themselves. It's all right. No, I will, I'm going to keep Simeon, and you're going to go back because I want to see something out of you. Listen, as long as you're giving and giving and giving and giving and giving, you're not giving, you're enabling them to continue in that lifestyle. At some point, you got to say, no, sir, no, ma'am. I want to see something out of you that proves uh, that we're headed in the right direction. Can I just be blunt and say this? Until you do that, you're as big of a duck in the water as what they are. Oh, that was mean. That was me. Don't throw stones. We got to quit. It's okay to try the water. It's okay to see. And when Judah stepped up and he finally seen that he was willing to give his life, but he wasn't willing to give up Benjamin, he reveals himself to him. Joseph reveals himself, and Jacob was brought back to live. And watch this. This is his family that abused him and left him for dead. And Pharaoh said, Joseph, the best we got is the land of Goshen. Won't you take your father and your brothers down there? Give them the best we could. Give them Goshen. Let them live down there. And when Jacob come back and his brothers that have tried to kill him, had have used him as a doormat and has tried to do away with him, he said, guess what? I got a spot for you. And it's not down here on the outskirts. But the best we got is Goshen. And you're about to take up residence in the best we got. Can I tell you this morning that God gave us his best? He didn't, give you a, he didn't give you a sideline. He didn't give you something that would just work for a little while. And I believe that God wants his best for you today. God gave his best. When he looked heaven over, he said, the best I got is my son. So the Bible says that God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whosoever would believe upon him, they will not perish but have everlasting life promise from the Lord he brought him back to Joseph to live in the good land and Jacob dies he tells him don't leave me here but when God sends a deliverer take me out and the brothers came watch this I'm about done again the brothers was cowards I don't mean that unkind it's just the truth they was a coward they didn't want to tell Jacob because they were ashamed. And they didn't want to come and talk to Joseph at first because they were ashamed. So they sent somebody. Will you just go remind him of what our dad said? Our dad said that he needs to forgive us. Just go have him remind him. Is anybody except me when somebody sends somebody else? Uh, he, he, said, he just want to remind you that you need to forgive him. Sir, I need to talk to them. I need to talk to them. I don't want to text. I don't want a phone call. I want to talk to them. I'm not, here for a, I'm not here for a confrontation. I'm not here to get mad. I want to look at you in the face, and I want to talk to you. They sent a man. Jacob said, you need to forgive him. He says, bring my brothers. And they come, and they fall down. <laughs> you know how this thing started? Jacob said, Joseph said, I had a dream. There was ten sheaves that bowed down to my sheep. You know how this thing ended? All of his brothers came, and they fell down. And it came to pass. Joseph says, get up. I know you meant to kill me. I know you meant to annihilate me. But what the devil meant for evil, 
God has meant it for good. The events of his life took him right back, placed him at a gate where he would be the one that would reach out and offer and extend grace to his family to bring them in to a land of plenty. You understand? Everything in their life turned him and put him in a place where he could help it. Do you know if God wouldn't have put him there, his family would have died? Do you know if, you're, if you wouldn't be here, there's a good chance that a lot of your family would never be witness to about the truth? I want to show you this, and I'm going to hush. Psalms chapter 68 and verse 6. It says this, God setteth the solitary in families. You see, I just I believe that the harvest field ought to start with our families. It ought to start with families. It shouldn't be limited by no means, but it ought to start with families. God setteth the solitary in families. He bringeth out those which are bound with chains, but the rebellious dwell in a dry land. Watch this. The word solitary means he's singled out. It means that God looked and singled out in your family somebody that had a heart that would turn to him. He singled out. The word also means to be beheld of God. If you're the solitary in family, singled out in your family, you are beheld of God. You've been singled out for a reason and for a purpose. The foundation of the word solitary goes back to mean this, a vision of strength. In other words, when God looked at your family and He seen you, He said, I see a vision of strength right there. I'm going to single them out, and they're going to be beheld of me, and I'm going to use them to reach the rest of their family. They're going to go through some trial. They're going to go through some tribulation, but I've got to use some stopping points in their life to make them take a right, and make them take a left, and then make them go forward, and then make them stop. Yeah, they may suffer some things, but through everything they suffer, they'll learn to trust me, and the whole time that I take them through this process, their family will be watching, and their family family will recognize the touch of God upon their life and there will come a day when their family reaches out to them and they'll be able to say yes what the devil meant for evil God has made it good there is food here there's bread here and there is still life in this man named Jesus Christ I want to be uh, I'll, I'll, let me bring this together and I'll hush but the church as a whole, i got to shut my notes off. Or I, the church as a whole, I don't mean this unkind. You that have been here any amount of time knows my heart, and I don't mean this unkind. But I sit and I watch and I keep up with the church world as a whole and the different things in the church world as a whole. When we look at it as a whole, what's going on? There are people that constitute themselves as a church that really is not a church at all and what we consider the church because when we look at the church, the word church in the Bible, it literally means the individual. We are part of the church. Individuals make up the church, but the church are those that are following after Jesus Christ as the head of the church. And when I see churches that are not following after the Lord, I have a problem with calling them a church. I see preachers that are standing up and proclaiming a false prosperity gospel. Do you know that one of the most popular messages is to tell people how to get rich? I want you to know this morning, that grieves my spirit, borderline, makes me angry. Yes, God is a blessing God, but you're trying to preach to people how to get rich when they're dying and on their way to a devil's hell. That grieves me. We have word of faith. We have all these other doctrines that are rising up. We have the church today trying to be cultural, relevant, so that we can relate to the world. I'm not here to relate to the world. I'm here to preach a gospel that is all-powerful and allow the Holy Spirit to prick the heart of somebody and bring them to an altar. Look, the gospel does not have to be changed to reach the world. If we change it to reach the world, we will conform to the world. But you know what I see? I won't be too much mean too much longer. Do you know what I see? I see and I hear testimonies over and over and over again. It says faith worship center is different. 
I felt the presence of the Lord. I had a call just this week. I, I come and visited your church and I felt the power of God and I haven't felt the power of God in a long time. Everything, look, I want you to understand uh, we have strived, been, we have been diligent on seeking the face of God and allowing the moving of the Holy Spirit. I don't need a praise and worship team that comes just to entertain you. I don't need preachers and teachers that are just elegant in the things that they say. I need pre preachers. I need praise and worship leaders that will fall on their face before God and say, God, I can't, but you can help me to be a vessel that you can work through and allow God the Holy Spirit to do His work. You see, we got history. We got moments in our life. And there's people that walk in here during one of them moments that are broken. And they don't need to hear, if you'll give me $10, then God will make you a millionaire. They need to hear, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. For the Father has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor in spirit. And He has anointed me to heal the brokenhearted. They need to hear there's hope. They need to hear there's salvation. They need to hear that grace is still sufficient. They need to know that they know that God is greater than anything they'll face in this life. I come to tell you this morning, as many of you, all of us is different paths in life. But all of them paths has brought you to right here. It's hard for us to forgive sometimes. I said us. It's hard for us to forgive. I firmly believe that if a believer just looks at the word and says, I've got to forgive or I can't be forgiven, and then goes up to somebody that's afflicted your family and say, brother, I forgive you and I love you, you're probably lying. Because true forgiveness can only be birthed there by the power of the Holy Spirit. My first move is to go back and say, God, I know what your word says. But all with all of my heart, it's just not there yet. But because you desire it to be there, I'm asking you to help me to forgive because I don't got it there yet. And God, the Holy Spirit starts working and moving upon you. And yes, you can love your enemy. And yes, you can forgive those that have afflicted you. Joseph forgave them. And he said, everything that's happened has brought me to where I'm at. And because of that, I will be able to nourish you and help you. And church, I come to tell you this morning, everything that's happened in our life up till today has maybe it ain't all been fun. It ain't all been a bed of roses. But it's brought you to where you're at this morning. And if you'll not allow the devil to build up bitterness and hate and, and unforgiveness, but say, God, I want to be what you want me to be. And you'll be the very one that is standing here connected to Christ and reaching out to your family and saying, it's all right, just come on. Here's Jesus. It's all right, just come on. Here's Jesus. It's all right, just come on. I know you meant it for bad, but God has allowed it to be good. It's all right, just come on and let the Lord work in your life. I come to tell you this morning, he meant to destroy you, but God has brought it around for your good. And if you'll let God to continue to do a work in your life, He'll use you in ways that you never thought was even possible. He'll establish you, and you will be the hand that reaches out to your family. Anybody in here besides me got lost loved ones? What an honor to be in a place that you could reach somebody. You could change their direction, stand at the gate of hell and say, you don't got to go here because Jesus loves you. Would you stand with me this morning? I want to ask you to bow your head with me and close your eyes. Brother Jeff, just play something softly, please, just a moment. Nobody's looking around this morning. We do that just to be reverent to the Holy Spirit and reverent to each other. This is a special time, a private time, just between you and the Lord. It's a moment when we get to examine our heart and we get to come to the truth of what the Holy Spirit is dealing with our heart about. This is a special time. And this morning we make it as private as what we can. Now I'm looking and I'm watching, but I do that for a reason, for a purpose. This morning I just want to ask you, before I move on in my altar call, if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, Life has pushed you and beat you 
brought you to a place that you think what else can happen? I want to tell you this morning. Jesus loves you. He just wants to help you. He wants to lead you. He wants to guide you. And as a benefit, He wants to give you eternal life. Because every place in this building, every person in this building, will spend eternity somewhere. And today's the day of salvation. Today's the day that we get to choose. So I don't know what's going on in your heart, and I don't know where you stand with God. But what I do know is, your heavenly Judah, when the devil said, I'll have him, or I'll have her, there was one from the tribe of Judah that stepped out and said, no, you can take me, but you can't have him. You can't have her. You can take my life, but you can't have them. This morning, that substitute of Jesus Christ is sufficient for you today. If you're here this morning, and you say, I've never accepted Jesus, or I, my relationship with God's not what it's supposed to be. And today, I want to make things right. I want to have peace between me and God. I want to know that with me and the Lord, everything is what it's supposed to be. If that's you this morning, if the Holy Spirit is dealing with your heart, would you slip your hand up and put it right back down real quickly? Thank you, God, for this hand. I'm not going to tarry a long time, but I am seeing your hand, and I'm going to be praying for you. Now's your moment. Now's your time. Say, that's me. Would you slip your hand up and right back down real quickly? Anybody else? Thank you, God, for this hand. Hallelujah. Anybody else just slipped their hand up and right back down? Just a moment longer. You're here and you want to make sure that everything's right between you and Jesus. My Lord, I feel the presence of the Holy Spirit this morning. Would you slip your hand up and right back down real quickly? I'll see your hand. I'll pray for you through the week. Anybody else? All right, here's what I want to do. There's been a couple, three hands that went up. There's another part to this altar call. Salvation's our priority. But our next priority is teaching people how to continue to walk in faith and encouraging the brethren to keep going. I'm just going to be plain with you. The devil's out to destroy you, to kill, to steal, and destroy. But if you keep your faith in Jesus and what he did for you on the cross of Calvary, Everything that the devil means for evil, my Lord God is going to make it good. The beheld of God, the singled out of God, the symbol, the vision of strength. And my altar call this morning is twofold for those that raised their hand already, but it's also for those that are willing to say, God, use me. I want to see my family saved. I want to see my friends saved. Lord, use me. Give me strength to set in this place that you have established me. And use me to be your hands and your feet to reach out to those that are lost and undone. He sets the solitary in families. Don't allow the devil to build up bitterness and unforgiveness. But allow the Lord to establish you in a place what the devil meant for evil. God is going to make it good. If that's you this morning, along with those that raised their hand, I just want to invite you to come. Find yourself a place to pray. Say, God, here am I. Here am I. Use me, Lord, in this perfect plan that you have made. Would you come this morning? Brother Jeff, help me. He never promised that the cross would not get heavy and the
If you are blessed by this message, you can find us on Facebook at Faith Worship Center, Porsche, Arkansas. Our contact for prayer or donations is by mail, Faith Worship Center, P.O. Box 296, Porsche, Arkansas, 72457. Through Messenger or PayPal, you can find that link on Facebook also. Thank you and God bless you and your family.